I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast live on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. It is a big Monday. It's not just a big Monday for Texas basketball taking on Baylor. Now it is a number 10 Texas against a number 11 Baylor. Tonight at the Moody Center, Texas trying to bounce back from the loss at uh, now number two Tennessee over the weekend. Um, We're going to be talking some Texas football we've got it all for you and your questions i mean most importantly this is about you all the uh longhorn community or maybe you're just fans of taylor or um or chip or chip not taylor or, come on you know, whatever it is <laughs> caused you to be on the horns 24 7 youtube channel with us right now welcome in uh and there is taylor estes taylor how's it going I am doing well, Chip. How are you doing? Hey, I'm fired up on a big Monday uh, to get in touch with our listeners, our readers, our members at Horns 24-7 and all, all comers. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good chance to uh, talk some Longhorns, uh, football, basketball, baseball, baseball practice has started and uh, David Pierce says it's going to be an interesting team, which I don't know what I think about that word. Interesting, Taylor. A lot of changeover, a lot of new faces. Um, my gosh, Texas recruited three players who went pro. Uh, that's always a risk for the high profile programs, but a lot of question marks uh, on the pitching staff uh, at the corners. They lose Ivan Melendez uh, and a whole truckload of home runs and uh, Skylar Messinger over there at third base. So um, we'll, we'll certainly. We're going to talk football though. Winter, winter workouts, especially, right? Yeah. Winter workouts. Oh, everybody wants to know how the underwear Olympics are going uh, right now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And if you are not a member at horns 24 seven, we cannot tell you to you know, do this any sooner. Today is the one day sale. We have 75% off of annual memberships. So uh, head on over to Horns 24-7, subscribe. New members get 75% off your first year of Insider Texas Scoop. But Chip, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, since the last time we've had the flagship 
podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to give a little behind the scenes note here. So last Wednesday we're recording the flagship podcast and I kid you not, I think we were maybe two and a half minutes into the, the recording of it. And our, both of our phones started like blowing up. There's actually, I, I posted a, a behind the scenes clip of it because you could see both of us literally look at our phones at the exact same time because Texas did hire a new wide receivers coach. We did not have an episode of the flagship podcast last week because we were just kind of scrambling all over the place. But Texas does have a new receivers coach in Chris Jackson, who uh, comes from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, there's a lot of Texas players that have ties to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Chip, let's start off with your thoughts on the new hire. Yeah, it's an interesting um, hire. Uh, Chris Jackson, all of his coaching experience is professional. And Steve Sarkeesian told uh, folks in his inner circle and even candidates <clears throat> for the job that he was looking for a receiving a receivers coach who is a technician who could really uh, coach up the position more so than a recruiter. Now, your re your receivers coach always needs to be one of your top recruiters because, um, look you're dealing with some high profile personalities at that receiver position. You got to be able to, to attract those kinds of receivers, especially Steve Sarkeesian who got, he basically let Andre Coleman go as his receivers coach after one season, because Coleman uh, was not all about recruiting the fastest five stars out there. He was looking for grinders and Sarkeesian's like, no, I need, I need Ferraris. I don't need F-150 trucks at the receiver position. And so he goes out, he brings in Brennan Marion, who did a great job in, in the recruiting game, um, bringing in um, Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore. And, and so the, the cupboard is full. I mean, you bring in um, Adonai Mitchell from Georgia and, and I think we have a question about all this that we'll get to, but uh, Chris Jackson can now look at this group of receivers and say, okay, I just helped take um, Marvin Jones Jr. and, and Zay Jones uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguar receiving core to one of their best seasons. And so if you want to know how it's done in the NFL, you all want to go there. Here I am. Let's get to work. And that's, that's what Steve Sarkeesian was looking for. And Chris Jackson played at Washington state with Jeff Banks. Um, th there's a connection there. Uh, and Steve Sarkeesian feels good about it. So um, obviously, and he's got, and Chris Jackson has a connection to margin hooks. Who's one of the top receiver trainers in the state of Texas. And he ch happens to train Micah Hudson, who's, a uh, five-star receiver in the 2024 recruiting class and the Longhorns top target at receiver. So uh, no pressure there, Chris, you need to close <laughs> yeah. the deal on that one. Yeah. And Micah Hudson did make it in for Texas junior day. There was kind of some questions I think surrounding him and there was um, if he was going to make it or not, he was one of the first players I think that came in. And so he, he did make it into junior day from, all accounts. Um, this is why you need to be a member at Horns 24-7 because our guys, Mike Roach and Hudson Standish, are were covering 
you know, the heck out of junior day. Um, had a lot of good intel, good uh, vibes coming out of Micah Hudson's visit. But you're right. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a, it's a tough place. I would say Texas in in any you know big time Power Five type of college football programs, it's a tough place to to recruit, and because the spotlight's always on you, and there's very little room for error. And so <clears throat> this is a it's an interesting addition. I agree with you on that chip, but I will say that just the the NFL ties, I think, really do carry weight. I mean, you look at what Texas has in Bo Davis, for instance, the defensive line coach. I mean, this season when Keandre Coburn was talking about, you know, if he wanted to use his extra year of eligibility, the person he was going to rely on to help kind of gauge him and direct him in that decision was Bo Davis because Bo Davis has coached in the NFL. So there's a lot of there's a lot of positives that come with having that that lengthy NFL experience. Obviously, Chris Jackson has pretty much only NFL experience, but it'll be interesting to see how the recruiting aspect of it. But I think when you have a lengthy NFL career, coaching career, that in itself plays and carries a lot of weight in recruiting. So um Going to be really interesting to cover him. We probably will not be able to talk to him because Steve Sarkeesian does not allow us to speak to assistant coaches, but we will uh, keep you guys updated on how that's going over at Horns 24 7. Um, Chip, you want to get into some questions here that our Horns 24 7 members have sent in? And, and if you're watching on the YouTube channel or on Facebook, feel free to comment with a question and um, you know, we'll, we'll try to tackle as, as many that come in as the show rolls on, but, uh, we do have a number to get to from our horns 24 seven members. If you're well, ready for those chips real quick, Taylor, before we get to the questions, I do want to, uh, comment on Joseph Osai because he's oh, yeah. all the talk today after this AFC championship game, he was flagged for a late hit on Patrick Mahomes on the second to last play of the game. It resulted in a 15 yard penalty that moved. Kansas City uh, from their from the Bengals 42 to the um, to the 27 yard line. It resulted in a 45 yard field goal instead of a 60 yard field goal. Uh, Harrison Bucker made the field goal, and you know the all the talk is uh, how could you make that play? And and for those who don't know Joseph Osai or who are just getting to know him as an NFL player. Um, and it's unfortunate, certainly, because he was having probably his best game in his mm -hmm. two years in the NFL. And last year, he didn't even play because yeah. he had a season-ending knee injury um, in training camp. And he didn't start this year, but he got more reps as the season wore on. He had a scoop and score touchdown um, in in January against Baltimore and against the chiefs on December 4th, he had a sack of Patrick Mahomes that ironically moved the chiefs um, backward and Harrison Butker missed a 55 yard field goal uh, as the Bengals held on for a 27, 24 win. So now he's getting, you know, blasted all over the place for this, uh, for this, you know, he, he was running as hard as he could Mahomes, you know, came, uh, you know, down the sideline and, and Osai should have pulled up, but he couldn't tell where he was. He said in the field, he was trying to force Mahomes out sideways to keep the clock running, whatever it he's getting blasted. He's being compared to Chris Weber, 
of Michigan who called a timeout when he didn't have one in the 1993 NCAA championship game. Weber went on from that mistake to a, a, a Hall of Fame career. I think Joseph Osai is going to use this as motivation to become a Pro Bowl player for the Bengals. I'm just going to say it now. This is how this kid is wired. He's not going to shrink. He's not going to uh, go mental on this. He's going to work even harder than he already does. And he he's going to be a big-time player for the Bengals. So Bengals Nation, have some patience um, with Joseph Osai because he's going to end up being a really good player uh, for you. And... Um, I think true Bengals fans know that, but uh, today is a rough day, obviously, for yeah. Joseph Osai. One of his own teammates was recorded going into the locker room saying, you know, what the bleep? Uh, this is my last year. Who bleeping touches the quarterback out of bounds? And it, it was it was awful. And so yeah. um, Joseph Osai will bounce back from this, Taylor. My My two cents on that. I totally agree. I mean, that it's heartbreaking. It was heart-wrenching to watch. You know, he was bawling his eyes out afterwards. And and I want to give a lot of credit to, um, I believe, BJ Hill, it was his teammate who, you know, was standing next to him in the locker room and essentially told reporters, like, stop with those dumb questions. Like, we're done, we're done with this right now. And and I totally agree. Like, honestly, I tweeted, I got blasted on Twitter last night, actually, because from Bengals fans that because I was standing up for Joseph Osai. Like Chip and I have covered Joseph Osai, not just at college, but I covered him in high school. Like I used to cover recruiting. I covered Joseph Osai. There are a handful of players, first of all, that have the character, the respect, and all of that that Joseph Osai does have. And he works his butt off, exactly what you said. I mean, he this is a guy that didn't even play football, I think, until what, his sophomore or junior year of high school. I mean, like he's he's so... He's so good. That's how talented he is. He did not, he didn't grow up playing football. This is a guy that's kind of new to the sport. And the fact that he was even in that position, like, you know, my, my father-in-law is a long time co football coach. And I promise you, he will be the first to say, I will take a hundred players that make that one mistake that jo jo Joseph Osai made over guys that aren't playing instinctually. You know, you want the guys that are going to ball out on the field. It yes, it was a mistake. Joseph knows it. He's taken it probably harder than anybody, but that's what coaches want. They want guys that are those dogs that are going to go at, above and beyond to try to make a play. And normally, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. I know he had a little bit of an ankle injury, but like there are quarterbacks out there where they can make one single cut and that's a to the house touchdown, regardless if they the defender does not try to hit them, you know. And so I like I'm going to defend jo Joseph Osai till I'm blue in the face, and I don't care if people hate it. I don't care if they you know think I'm stupid because I'm doing it. Like I I just know that every coach out there would be you know obviously like oh no, but at the same time they will want a player like Joseph Osai over a guy that's not going to try to make that play. So yeah, and uh, what's yeah. What's sad is the very play before that, Osai got the pressure on Patrick Mahomes that forced an incompletion, and Jim Nance and Tony Romo had just glowed praise on Osai for what a great game he was having. So um, it it is what it is. He's going to have to overcome this, and it'll always be a footnote, um, but he can certainly rewrite it, and I think he will. 
I totally agree. Absolutely. So, um, all right. We, Joseph, you have our support. We'll say that. <laughs> I actually, I reached out to him even because, um, you know, we've, we've had a long time relationship from me covering him as a kid in high school. So I, uh, I, I know he's going to bounce back and be much better after all of this too. So we're on the same page, Chip. Yep. Air yep. pound. All right. <laughs> all right. You want to get to some of our horns 24 seven questions? Here? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to toss this one to you first. Um, this is from, uh, Frank. Sorry if I am butchering this. Drebin 713. Could Jonathan Brooks, Brooks, excuse me, Savian Red, Brendan Thompson, and Juan Davis be 2023 offensive breakouts? Well, I, I certainly think Jonathan Brooks can be. Um, and I think that Savion Red and Brennan Thompson are are coming. Uh, they want they want uh, Brennan Thompson to get stronger, and he certainly got the speed. And Steve Sarkeesian is now um, getting to the point where I think he feels like he's got outside threats that force safeties to have to uh, respect the deep ball. Last season, you could argue it was just. Xavier Worthy. Uh, next season, you're going to have uh, six foot four, 190 pound AD Mitchell. All he's done is score touchdowns in uh, four college football playoff games. And you've got uh, six foot three Isaiah Nair, who had 12 touchdown catches at Wyoming uh, before season ending uh, injury in um, camp and caused causing him to miss the 2022 season. And so now you're looking, you got John Tate Cook in here too. I mean, we've gone from a receiver room that is uh, thin to a receiver room now that might force Steve Sarkeesian to finally rotate receivers. He's been reluctant to do that. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's a credit um, to to Sarkeesian that he's kept them all honestly uh, because when you add players like Jonte Cook and A.D. Mitchell and look they're gonna have to earn it in practice they're gonna have to earn it every day um, and but this is a good problem to have every coach will tell you you want as much talent as you can get and then let them let the paramedics sort them out um, and and that's that's where we're headed and so you know I, I like um, Jonathan Brooks a lot. I mean, I think Jonathan Brooks, when you combine Jonathan Brooks with with Cedric Baxter, CJ Baxter, there's your one-two punch. I know there's talk about Keelan Robinson and Jaden Blue. Um, CJ Baxter is special, and I, I think this guy's going to prove it pretty quickly. And, and I think Jonathan Brooks is special. So the running back room might be better off than we think after losing a generational player like Bijan Robinson and a heart and soul warrior like um, Roshan Johnson. And then as far as Juan Davis, you know, he's got to get, he's got to get bigger. He's got to get stronger. And that's the, that's the million dollar question for him. Can he handle the blocking required? Uh, they're not going to just play him as a stand-up uh, tight end. They got to have a guy who can, you know, do the dirty work. And that's going to be the the big question for Juan Davis. Yes. He's pretty, he's fast. He's got good hands. He's got a block and 
and Jatavian Sanders made the adjustment. Juan Davis watched it. He knows what he has to do. And, and so, you know, that's what it would take for him to be a breakout and he needs to be ready. He's a play away. You know, if something happens to Jatavian Sanders, you've got Gunnar Helm and then you've got Juan Davis and then you've got some freshmen. So Juan Davis needs to be ready to go this year because he might end up being forced into, uh, you know, into playing time that could lead him to become a breakout player. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it to be ready. That's for sure. We, we learned that last year, 2022 taught us be ready. Cause you may start the season on the bench, Max Duggan, um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, on and on. Um, but you gotta be ready. And so that's the, that's the proposition for Juan Davis. What do you think Taylor? I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, Chip. I mean, I think that um, at least with Jonathan Brooks, like I think he is poised to be a breakout player for Texas. I think that you've seen it a little bit in um, the very limited time that he has in playing. Um, but yeah, I think that he's definitely someone to watch. I With Juan Davis, you know, I, Jatavian Sanders had such a breakout season this past year. I know that you know, Steve Sarkeesian loves to use the, you know, two tight ends um, in his offense too. But it, it's hard to say that he's going to be a breakout just because Jatavian Sanders was so good this year. And so I don't see anybody overstepping him or anything along those lines. But um, yeah, I think Jonathan Brooks definitely is poised for a great year. And don't forget, you know, Jaden Blue too. I mean, this is a guy that you haven't really seen much at all for Texas. He was a true freshman last year. He was an early enrollee, didn't see the field much, obviously, because I was a stacked, one of the probably the most stacked college football running back rooms in the country, honestly. And so um, I definitely think that, you know, that uh, Jonathan Brooks is probably next in line. Jaden Blue also, um, the addition of Cedric Baxter is huge. Uh, Chip did a really good profile on Cedric Baxter, if you're a member of Horns 24-7 and read the insider, you know all about it. If you did not, you should definitely read the insider from Thursday of last week because Chip did a fantastic backstory about, um, you know, everything with Cedric Baxter and the type of work ethic, everything he brings to the table. So I think, I think the running back room is set. I think the receiver room is set too, because they're stacked. And now it's just a matter of time of guys stepping up and wanting to earn the playing time. Cause that's one thing I think with, with Steve Sarkeesian that you're starting to see is he's not just going to put a guy out there because he told him, Oh, you're going to get this much X playing time. You know, when you came, when you signed at Texas, like they have to earn it. And I think that's something that, that he has proven he's going to stick to his guns. But Brendan Thompson has that breakaway speed that I think is hard to beat. Savian red. He's an interesting guy to me because Part of me thinks like, is, is he a linebacker? <laughs> like he's just a, he's a bigger guy. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, especially with a new coach, a clean slate there, the opportunities are endless in that receivers room right now. Yeah. I think Savion Red's a sort of a, a mini me of, of Jordan Whittington. And we know that Steve Sarkeesian is all about the speed and Brennan Thompson's a 10 flat hundred guy. Um, you know, see, uh, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy, Jonte Cook are all 10 flat hunter guys. Mm -hmm. So that's what Sarkeesian wants. He wants speed everywhere to the point where the defense is 
they can't focus on just one guy. They have to keep the safeties back. That opens up the running game. So Texas should be what Steve Sarkeesian wants to be on offense in 2023. Yeah. The, totally. the excuses are, are gone um, mm-hmm. because you've got depth at receiver and I think you're going to be okay at running back. I mean, you return 10 of 11 starters on offense. So, you know, I see a question over here from, um, you know, CT E 11 saying, you know, how do you, is there concern about playing time and keeping all those guys out of the portal? Well, that's what spring football is going to help determine. And so the first week of March, when spring ball gets going, you're going to have, these guys battling it out and they're going to see where they stack up. And if they don't stack up well, then you probably will see uh, someone get into the portal because there's a lot of dudes in that room. And I mean, dudes like Mm -hmm. dogs and you're going to, you're going to find out if you're one of them. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I'm just, I'm, I don't know if anybody saw me kind of laughing. I'm laughing because I'm so proud of Chip for learning that he can read the comments himself too on our stream here because I mean, that, come on. I'm it a took multitasker. a while. It took a while to learn that. I know you, just, you you caught me off guard there, Chip. I'm I'm proud of you though. How about that. Yeah. Yeah. This receiver room, I think, has a it, I'm like nobody we haven't even seen what Isaiah Nayer is gonna be for Texas either. Like that's you know, he was so just he was trending to be probably the breakout player I would say for the receivers last year before his injury so that's a you know I'm excited to see what Isaiah Nayer brings to but um all right I'll move on to the next one and Nayer both have at least two years of eligibility remaining yep so you know if those guys are are looking like world beaters then a guy like Casey Kane is gonna have to decide okay, I can, I can catch those guys. I can pass those guys, or I need to be ready if my time comes, or do I need to go find another place to, to get playing time? So, um, you know, those are, that's what spring ball is going to be all about. Yeah. All right. So speaking of spring practice, I'll move on to the next question here from, sorry, I'm totally butchering this Ramos sock 88. Uh, when do spring practices start and what position group should be one to watch going into spring? I think we kind of answered it, but go ahead, Chip. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously the quarterback position is going to be enormous. Quinn Ewers needs to take a big step, um, a big step. And I think he took part of that step in the Alamo Bowl. I think he looked more comfortable. Now he missed a couple of big time throws in the first half, uh, a fourth down throw bad, bad miss, uh, with Xavier worthy. And then a third and three throw that was low and away to Jordan Whittington. Um, those were drive killers, but then he got it going in the second half and he put the ball right on the money. And then, you know, finally he connects with Xavier worthy on deep balls only to have worthy, uh, drop the football. So it, you know, that the quarterback position, the receiver position, those are going to be big time uh, positions to watch. And then on defense, there's, there's a bunch because you lose some, you know, some big time guys from the defensive line, from the linebacker position, you lose Anthony cook at safety, you lose 
uh, Deshaun Jameson at corner, but you have guys who started to show you that they're ready. I mean, Tavondre Sweat on the defensive line with Byron Murphy. Uh, Alfred Collins needs to finally put it all together um, because, you know, he's a junior now and it's time. And then, you know, you look at a guy like Jalen Catalan coming in from Arkansas at safety. The guy was all SEC as a freshman. Injuries got him. Uh, he's had uh, surgery to repair his shoulder, which has been a problem. If he's healthy, watch out. This guy is an instant impact guy. I think on uh, with what Ryan Watts gave you out of the portal from Ohio State at that boundary corner. So, um, you know, linebacker Anthony Hill's an early enrollee. Heck, almost the entire freshman class is an early enrollee. So you're going to get um, an idea. The coaches are going to get an idea of who can process everything quickly, who can, who can digest the playbook quickly, the calls, the adjustments, and process that and play fast. And um, Texas, that's another reason to feel good about Texas going into the 2023 season is it, you know, over half of their recruiting class is early enrollees, including the top five players in the class, Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, CJ Baxter, John Tate Cook, and Malik Muhammad at corner. So you're, you're getting, um, you know, really important practices in for those young guys. And, um, you know, remember Taylor, Kelvin Banks, who was all, you know, he played at a first team, all big 12 level, um, came in in June and, and got all that done. So let's see what these early enrollees can do, uh, starting, uh, when spring practice begins first week in March. Yeah. And, and that's, that's so crucial too. like to have that, not just have half of the class already, you know, on campus going through winter conditioning, but having some of the top guys in the class. I mean, we talked about this on our last episode of the flagship podcast. Um, you know, having just Arch Manning alone, like the Texas has the class that they had because Arch Manning committed to Texas. Like, let's let's be honest, like all of the the stars followed Arch Manning from the minute that he made that commitment. So he has a he can, has a pull, you know, and and his his voice is going to carry a lot of weight with some of the guys that even aren't on campus yet because he's going to be able to to pass along like this is how we prepare, this is what is expected, this is what we do here at Texas, and guys are going to listen. Guys follow Arch Manning, they follow those top talented, you know, top prospects in this class. Like, and that's just, and maybe it sounds like I'm like being a homer or something right now. I don't know, but like it. Like it's the truth. Like I think it's very factual that Arch Manning committed to Texas is why him committing to Texas is why Texas had that class that they had, the top three signing class in uh 2023. And so his his word, his his voice, everything carries weight with these guys. And that's um you want those guys to be on campus to set the standard for the rest of the incoming freshmen. So um I would say though with the position group to watch, I think wide receiver is one for sure on offense. And also I think, um, I think, I don't know. I'm like on defense. I kind of want to say like the whole secondary, honestly, <laughs> just because there's, there is some attrition there with Anthony cook moving on, Sean Jamison moving on, say what you will about their, you know, any of them, they played a lot of football at Texas. And a lot of times experience is very difficult to, 
uh, replace. But if Jalen Catalan can stay healthy, oh, I just saw a comment come in. AJ Branch is going to sound like I'm copying what you're saying, but uh, I'm going to give you some credit here. You're exactly right. If Jalen Catalan can stay healthy, this could be a very special defensive back room. So I would say that's a one to watch for this spring. Yeah, and that's that's something that they they need. Uh, if you're going to play quarters match pass coverage, there has to be great communication between the safeties, the nickel, and the corners um, to make sure that everybody knows who they're who they've got at the snap. Uh, we saw it break down a couple times, really costly against TCU in a 17-10 game, um, where Quentin Johnston was all alone, only guy <laughs> in the picture catching a touchdown pass uh, that that can't happen. And and so that's why I think Jalen Catalan is such an important and I, and I think there are young guys who are coming. Uh, and obviously, I've, I'm on the record that uh, Derek Williams and Anthony Hill are my two favorite uh, members of the 2023 recruiting class. Derek Williams. Good heavens. I mean, uh, the guy is a monster. Now he's not an early enrollee, but uh, you got BJ Allen at safety, Larry Turner, good, and I think those guys are coming. Uh, but nothing wrong with having a an experienced hand like Jalen Catalan in that room to help grow those grow those guys up. Yeah, for sure. And uh, another one too is Jalen Gilbo too. You know, and as a defensive yep. back, I mean he he's played, he started a lot of games before his injury, so. He was not on the field at the end of the year, and it was because of injury. So that's another one I think to to watch. Even and and I don't want it to seem like we're like diminishing what Anthony Cook and Deshaun. I think Deshaun Jameson got a lot more hate than he ever deserved personally. Um, I think Anthony Cook came in and he filled a role that he may not ever get the credit that he deserved for what he did for the secondary in during the 2022 season. But that that I you know I think that. Um, there's definitely a lot of young talent though that is coming up too. All yeah, right. Deshaun Jameson had a lot of big time pass breakups last season that um, did, yeah. you just go watch the film. He he came through in some uh some really big time situations. So um yeah, it, it's and they're I think they're really talented at corner. I mean, when you talk about Jalen Gilbo, Austin Jordan, Terrence Brooks, and Xavion Bryce, all those guys are legit. Like there's not, they haven't slacked off. They haven't thought, oh man, I'm down on the depth chart. All those guys are pushing and that's, that's what you want. I mean, for a while there, Texas was recruiting safeties who just settled in and mm -hmm. accepted being two or three on the depth chart. Even guys like Tyler Owens. Um, I mean, Xavier Alford was the one that sort of got away, but guys like, you know, Marquise Caldwell, JD coffee, you know, you got to push, you got to, you got to announce yourself. You've got to show your teammates that, that you're that guy. And, and I think those young corners I just mentioned are, are pushing. They all, they all want to get on the field and, and I think they've earned the respect of their teammates. So Malik Muhammad has, has work to do because those guys are talented. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that chip. Um, all right. I'm going to throw you Chip's our basketball guy. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this. If you 
watch or listen to the flagship podcast, but I'm not the biggest basketball person out there. So I'm going to throw this one. Yeah, that's to what Chip I'm here for. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this is from Horns 24 7 men- member. It's I I'm I'm really apologize, guys. I'm totally butchering all of these. It's either T Rosita's eleven or Trosita's eleven. But Shaka had a good run on recruiting athletic bigs. Why is there a dry spell on bigs that are legit down low with rebounding blocks and scoring? Chip, this is all you. <laughs> well, I think it's this is a reflection of Chris Beard and his positionless basketball. He likes to have. You know, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys who can guard the perimeter. And, you know, he wants to be able to switch one through five on defense and and not have a big lumbering, you know, six, eleven, seven footer who can't move. And so this was his MO at Texas Tech. Now the question, obviously, with Beard no longer here, is what it will that philosophy of positionless basketball continue who's going to be the coach next year is it rodney terry is it a coach to be named later that's all unfolding and we're actually in a critical part of the texas basketball season starting tonight with big monday against baylor baylor's won six in a row against texas and 12 of the last 13 let that sink in now Baylor won a national championship uh, two years ago, and they're the two-time defending Big 12 regular season champions, and they've got one of the most talented freshmen in the country uh, coming into Austin tonight, and Keontae George, who's averaging 17-plus points uh, per game uh, and is fearless. I mean, this guy's fun to watch. So this is a big challenge because it's at home. For Texas, Texas has been good at home, and um, their only, you know, what their only conference loss at home is to K State, and K State's number seven in the country, and their only road loss is Iowa State, and Iowa State is also, um, well, they were ranked when Texas lost to them. So, bottom line is they got to win this game tonight, and then they got to go on the road, and they got to play. Um, K-State and Kansas uh, in a three-day span, K-State on Saturday, KU on Monday, both on the road. And that this is the grinder right here. Uh, this is the first of three big Monday games for Texas. The, the third big Monday game after, you know, you got Baylor, then KU is Texas Tech on the road. That place was a horror uh, chamber for Texas last year. Now, Chris Beard's no longer with the team. Who knows what uh, that Red Raider army that Chris Beard built out there in Lubbock has in store for the Longhorns. They hate the Longhorns more than they like themselves. Um, you know, and anyone who's been to Lubbock for a game knows what I'm talking about. And tech fans, look, you make it tough on, on people because of that. Um, but this is this is the the grinder for for Texas and and coming off that loss to Tennessee where Marcus Carr didn't even get a shot attempt until there were five minutes left in the first half. He and Timmy Allen both went over in the first half. Those are your, your two that cannot happen. But Tennessee is a special defensive team 
Um, Baylor leads the Big 12 in three-point shots uh, made. Texas is the worst defense in the conference at defending the three-point line. So there's your storyline um, for, for this one uh, for tonight's game. And as far as uh, my man, uh, or I don't want to say, could be a gal, Trocitas yeah. 11. That's why the, you know, and I, listen, I think if Chris Beard could have found a Kai Jones or a, a Jackson Hayes, he would have, he would have tried to land him. Um, those guys ended up being really special and they're in the NBA now. Um, but yeah, we'll see if that positionless basketball recruiting mentality continues. All right. So this is a follow-up from, um, our guy, Chris G B 2000 chip. What will Texas basketball record be in this four game gauntlet already lost to Tennessee now play number 11 Baylor, then seven Kansas state and eight Kansas. Well, I think if you you got to you got to win this game tonight and then if you lose at K-State and you lose at Kansas, there's that's not a crime. Those are top 10 teams. So you got to you got to win your home court uh and then I see them you know probably losing both of the games at K-State and KU, but Kansas has been struggling. And if they continue to struggle, then Texas can get in there and steal one. NK State has proven to be mortal. Um, they lost to Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum, which, again, that's probably the toughest place to play outside of Lawrence in the Big 12. So um, you, when you're playing a top 10 team on the road, uh, you're not going to be expected to win. That that would have to be a steal. Uh, so I, I see having already lost to Tennessee um, win tonight against Baylor, take your medicine at K state and against KU. If you steal one, Oh Lord, net, <laughs> you, you know, don't get too, don't get too excited because then uh, after facing Kansas, uh, you got uh, West Virginia on February 11th and that's a home game. Texas needs to win that. Yeah. All right, there. There's your basketball mashup here. I'm I'm not going to contribute to it. Let's be honest. Like I just don't cover <laughs> basketball, so it's going to be we'll be real real here with that. But um, all right, I'm going to go. We're going to go back to football here. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. From Longhorn SD, Horns 24-7 member. I'll take this one first and you can chime in, Chip. But in your opinion, what is the minimum bar for the 2023 season to be considered a success? I really like this question. Chip and I actually talked about it before we started uh, the the live show because we've always been really hesitant to be, or at least I have been very hesitant to be like, set high expectations because I just haven't felt that Texas was in a position to have high expectations, even though they have these recruiting classes, just for various reasons, I've never felt it would be fair to the players and even the staff to put, you know, a big 12 title or bus type of tag on, on this program. And at least in the last probably 10 years, I think it's big 12 title or bust. Like there's no reason in my opinion for Texas to not have a big, like at least not, play for a big 12 title this season. And I, and I've never said that, like, I can't remember a single time in my career where these words have ever actually come out of my mouth. Cause I've just as good as, you know, Tom Herman and his staff recruited skill positions. They never really got the, the big guys. I always was like, where's the beef? Where's the, you know, the offense alignment, where are those guys that win you championships, the kind of the faceless players that are the unsung heroes. And that's what, Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood and Jeff Banks and the whole staff has really put a focus on is getting those type of guys. And I think, you know, as I've been on the record, I have no problem saying like eating crow all I want about the offensive line going into the 2022 season. I was like, that was my biggest concern because Texas was in a position to where they were going to be relying on two true freshmen. In addition to having a, a bevy of, you know, young underclassmen, inexperienced guys on that line, I had very low expectations and they far, far, far exceeded my expectations. Those guys are a year older now and they all are pretty much returning. And so in my opinion, I'd say the minimum bar is Texas needs to be playing for a big 12 title this year. Chip, what about you? Yeah. I mean, the, the great coaches, the coaches who have staying power announce themselves in the first two to three years. Heck, even Tom Herman got to the Big 12 championship game in year two. Mac Brown was in the Big 12 championship game in year two. 
Steve Sarkeesian should have been in the Big 12 championship game in year two. If he'd have run the football in the fourth <laughs> quarter against Oklahoma State, he wins that game and he's in the Big 12 championship game in a rematch with TCU, having beaten K-State in the regular season and holding that tiebreaker. So that hurts because um, that that's a huge opportunity lost. But uh, 10 of 11 starters back on offense, Quinn Ewers, uh, second year in the system. You're, you've gone from thin to full at receiver. As you mentioned, the, the offensive line should just continue to get better really from here on out. Um, and I think the running game is going to be okay. Defensively, Gary Patterson is still helping you out as a special assistant. Pete Kwiatkowski uh, has a clearly a good line of communication with his defensive staff, which returns intact. Uh, Bo Davis obviously uh, had a big year the, in 2022 with his defensive line, stopping the run. Uh, they led the nation in quarterback hurries. So quarterback pressures. So that's, yeah, I mean, it's time. It's time. We said, you know, I said eight wins and Arch Manning would be a success in 2022. To me, it's 10 wins and an appearance in the Big 12 title game. Really, you're the favorite. I mean, sometimes Texas is the favorite because, oh, they recruit so well. Right. I mean, Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders is at Ole Miss. TCU, Max Duggan's gone. Um, you know, K-State's got Will Howard back, but they lose uh, Deuce Vaughn and they lose, um, you know, Felix Anyuduke Uzama, the, I don't know how he got the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year over Jalen Ford, but he's gone. It's like so, a career of win, basically. Yeah, I mean, that was a great one-year window for K-State, and that's why I picked them to, to get it done. Uh, I'm not picking them this year. Now, you, you can look around and see, okay, Tech looks like they're starting to put some stuff together, Baylor, but it's Texas. I mean, Texas, mm -hmm. and, and the crazy thing is, we don't have the 2023 schedule yet, still. <laughs> yeah. It's seven weeks late, and I've written about this. Another reason, if you're um, thinking about joining today, uh, horns247.com with our 75% off offer. Uh, the Insider, every week, I'm going to let you know what's going on, the latest with Texas and the SEC, and they're close. Texas and Oklahoma are close. Now, I say close but that doesn't mean it's going to happen soon, but they're close enough that Oklahoma has said, we want an exit deal done before the football schedule comes out. And so kudos to my man, Joe Castiglione. He will not admit it, but that's what's going on. And, and so we'll see if we get a, a, a exit deal for Texas and Oklahoma before we get the 2023 Big 12 football schedule because Taylor with four new schools coming in, you can't just say, Oh, well, Texas has to go to this school this year. Cause they played at home last year. The big 12 can throw all that out and just yeah. do whatever they want to make this 14 team, you know, I think one year situation work, which means Texas could be going places. It's never been or they could be going back on the road to places they were on the road last year. So it's still, I, I think it's 10 wins and an appearance in the big 12 title game. 
How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that's fair. And yeah. And uh, so follow up here, because this is from our another Horns 24-7 member, David Hume. Will Texas win the Big 12 in 2023? Your thoughts? I mean, I think they should. You got Jalen Ford, who's, in my opinion, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, the uh, unnamed Big 12 Defensive yeah. Player of the Year. Like, yeah, it was a career award essentially given to, I won't know. Right, the I don't, people's choice for yeah. <laughs> Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2022. And he's he's big time. And then, you know, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy in the middle, Alfred Collins, Baron Sorrell, Justice Finkley, these guys are coming. And then you, you know, Jalen Catalan, if he's the Jalen Catalan we remember uh, from his freshman year, uh, all these young corners come. I mean, it's time. And then Steve Sarkeesian is telling people privately he's got the talent now, the speed at receiver that he needs for this offense to click the way that he expects it to click the way it did at Alabama. And so now it's on Steve Sarkeesian to, yeah. to put it all together. And, you know, we've talked about whether he needs someone in his ear, someone he trusts who will say, Hey, don't, don't throw it here, run it here. We're still fine. We can run it. And, and that to me got away from him a little bit uh, at Texas tech and Oklahoma state last year it cost him after having, you know, 31, 17 leads in those games, but you know, we'll see Steve Sarkeesian says, Hey, everything's great. We're not, every, everything's good. Now he is looking for a special assistant on offense. And I think he's hoping to get, you know, a coach who's been let go somewhere, a head coach, kind of like Saban always does. So we'll see if he can reel in someone like, you know, a Seth Luttrell from who was let go at North Texas. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I, I think, think they'll no win the big 12 in 2023. I'm going to pick them. Okay. Yeah. I think there's no excuse at this point. I really do. I think, and, and again, I am the last person who has ever said this, honestly, in my career, I've never said that Texas, since I started covering Texas, that they should win the big 12. Like I just haven't done it. I haven't felt that way. I haven't felt that, oh, excuse me, that their teams have been stacked up in a way to actually sustain a whole season and win the Big 12. I didn't think they had the right depth. I thought there was depth at some positions, but key positions did not. And there was a lot of talent at some positions, and some positions did not have very much talent at all. And, yeah, I think I think this is the year. It has, And, and I think you're going to learn a lot about Steve Sarkeesian himself as a coach this year because of all of that, because there is no excuse. And I know that there were questions when he came on as the head coach at Texas since he had not been a head coach since, uh, you know, the fiasco that happened at USC. He's a different guy now. And I think everyone's still wondering who he is as a head coach. And I think this season is going to be the season that tells you who Steve Sarkeesian is as a head coach. But I, I think that Texas has no excuse not to win the Big 12 in 2023. Well, and I think his culture is on the right track. I mean, yeah. he's not losing players that he is counting on to the portal. Um, the players fought through the loss at Oklahoma State, went on the road, beat K-State the next week. Uh, at that point, you're thinking, okay, all right, well, Texas is, um, you know, maybe they have what it takes to beat TCU. It was a, you know, it was that was a tough game, but 
you shouldn't look back at the TCU game and say you had first and goal at the two, first and goal at the five, and Bijan Robinson doesn't get a single touch in either of those series. And you can't have, you cannot have the questions about your team and the Monday morning quarterbacks uh, asking about the offense if you're mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian, because that's your side of the ball and you were hired at the time to match wits with Lincoln Riley, who seems to make it effortless in his ability to call the offense and be a head coach. Now, if you talk to people at Oklahoma, they'll say that Riley maybe spends too much uh, focus on the offense and it lets the culture, you know, start to break a little bit that there were, you know, I don't know. All I know is the guy won and he was this close again to go into the college football playoff in his first year at USC. And he had the Heisman trophy winner at quarterback. So Steve Sarkeesian was hired to match wits with that guy. And, and now and he, Lincoln Riley's he ran. Getting, <laughs> yeah. He may not be in the conference, but he's still, <laughs> he's still the guy that Steve Sarkeesian's being compared to. Yeah, for sure. So this is a random one from our uh, YouTube channel that I think is actually really, uh, it's not Texas specific, but it's very interesting. I'm going to put this one up here. Anything fishy with Brian Kelly and the extra million dollars that he got paid in his first uh, few months on the job? I don't know if people know the backstory of this, but apparently Brian Kelly was overpaid by a million dollars for several months. I'm going to go ahead, Chip, and say, yeah, there's something fishy going on there. Because mainly just because the timing of which this money was paid, it just so happened to happen when official visits started in the off season, it was like, I think it was from May through, I don't know, six months after I, I'm not good at math. I'm not very smart guys. If you can't tell, but uh, six, I think it was May through November that he got paid this. That is prime official visit season. Seems a little fishy to me. Your thoughts. Listen, I mean, dating back to the days of Huey long, Louisiana politics has been, you got to sleep with your eyes open. Um, if, if there, if this was a banking error, what is, what the hell does that say about LSU's administration for God's sake? I mean, it's um, a school that has historically had not, didn't have money. So how right. did they just misplace a million dollars? Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> does it? <laughs> right. Right. And that if you, make a banking error like that, you're going to get questions like the one you just raised, especially in the age of NIL. When have we ever heard of a head coach being overpaid by a million dollars? Hell, Michigan cut Jim Harbaugh's pay (laughs) because he was not winning enough. And now he's still pissed at the athletic director for giving him that haircut to the point where he keeps interviewing for other head coaching jobs. And, and, as a way to uh, send a message to Michigan's president, hey, get me a new bleeping athletic director, please. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is, yeah, there's fishiness here. Um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, this is, look, the taxpayers of Louisiana should be like, hey, what the bleep can, can, uh, are, where else are we making that banking error? 
Where, yeah. where are our tax dollars going? Now, athletics pays for itself. They don't use tax money. Right. Um, but yeah, that was a what? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can smell the fish from freaking Austin, Texas, from the bayou in uh, Louisiana <laughs> there in Baton Rouge. Yeah, like, and this is not the like... red snapper um, <laughs> with the this etouffee. This is that yeah, this is like yeah. the bottom feeders that are bottom feeding over bottom feeding. So, yeah, I thought that question was funny. I know it has nothing to do with Texas, but I thought it was really funny. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So I, we, Chip and I have never even spoken about this. So this is totally off the cuff. We didn't expect to take that question. But, yeah, yeah that, I mean, fish, that fish smells stanky A million dollars? <laughs> a million yeah. dollars. From one of the poorest, like, universities. Like, come on. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. You never know what you're going to get here on the flagship podcast, y'all. That's why uh, you got to tune in here. But all right, back to Texas. Sorry, that that diversion there. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to go with, we kind of touched on this. LTC1948 had asked, why hasn't the Big 12 released a 2023 football schedule? Chip kind of talked about that a little bit. So don't, I want to at least give credit for people that do send in their questions ahead of time in case we don't like acknowledge them at the time. But how about this one from Mikey Gress six, any updates on the hiring of an offensive special assistant to the head coach and an assistant director of high school relations? Yeah, nothing, um, nothing yet. I mentioned Seth Luttrell. Uh, because I think he's an intriguing um, <clears throat> candidate as the former head coach at North Texas. Now he played running back at Oklahoma. Um, and so, you know, that's always tricky because it's it's like that story Rodney Terry told this past week when he was an assistant um, at Baylor and then he went to UNC Wilmington, but he really wanted to be at Texas. And there were rumblings that maybe Rick Barnes was looking at him, but Kelvin Sampson at Oklahoma at the time offered a job to Rodney Terry. And Kelvin Sampson is the truth. I mean, that that dude has won everywhere he's been. He actually kind of owned Rick Barnes uh, while he was at OU. And Frank Haith was an assistant at Texas at the time and said, Rodney, don't you take that job at OU if you ever want to coach at Texas. And Rodney passed on it. And fortunately for Rodney, Barnes came around, hired him. They had a nine-year run together. Now Rodney's the acting head coach at Texas. So I get it's kind of weird. Um, and and things worked out perfectly for Gary Patterson. And I mean, the timing of it, not for Gary Patterson to be fired, but Um, he became available, let's say at, at a great time. And with the connections that he had, um, he, he came right to Texas and, um, you know, so I think Steve Sarkeesian's looking high and low. I mean, I know he's looked everywhere from high school, college. Um, and I think he's looking at the NFL too. So I think he's waiting for the coaching carousel. Uh, to come to a close here in the NFL before he makes any final decision. Now, spring football starting uh, first week in March, so I would imagine we'll have something by then. But um, I think Sarkeesian's taking his time, and 
and checking to see, you know, what's out there. Yeah. And the other thing too, like, uh, the, the primary, staff that he wanted to hire was a receivers coach. And that took a little bit longer than expected because Chris Jackson was coaching in the NFL, coaching the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars receiver core there. So that's, I think that that priority number one has like that box has been checked off and this is where, and, and also the other one is the director of high school relations with a uh, Texas hiring Jamal Fenner, a uh, local high school football coach has great ties in the state of Texas to other um, you know, high school football coaches, programs, everything. That's what you want in your director of high school relations. So these were, I would, I would say it was like tier one, tier two. Now we're on to kind of tier three is probably where Steve Sarkeesian's mindset is. So I would say that those ones are coming in and you bring up a great point when it comes to, you know, the NFL coaching, you know, carousel circle, whatever it may be, you know, uh, I think that is going to work itself out, but um, uh, what about Joe Brady? Where is he at? I saw somebody say something about Joe Brady. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's where the other thing too, Taylor is the NCAA was this close to approving a rule that would allow any institutional staff member to coach during the week in practice, not on game day, but during the week. And, and then that got tabled at the, NCA convention in January, but there's a sense that it's going to be passed uh, in the spring. And that also, when you're hiring these special assistant or analyst positions, you want to pick a, a person who might be able to help out at a position where you think you need help. Um, and, and so you know, we'll see. I mean, um, there've been some interesting candidates. I'm not going to mention, um, because I don't want to put those people in a interesting position with their current jobs. Um, but there's, there's a, an intriguing possibility out there that, uh, you know, we're kind of waiting on. And so, um, I think Sarkeesian's knocked it out of the park with with his hires up to this point. So let's see, let's see what he does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this one's coming in here from the YouTube channel here from David Williams. There's always talk about name, image, and likeness. Funding going to new recruits. Will UT and other programs begin hiring a general manager to manage funding for players to remain at UT? Um, I kind of think Chip like. I think the biggest priority right now with NIL should probably be getting these athletes tax help. This is something you and I talked about before it even went into effect, but I did see a report recently about, I think it was the athletic that reported it, that there's been a lot of play or athletes that don't feel that they have enough fun or help when it comes to, um, to getting, you know, name image likeness money and tax help and guidance for that. And that was always my biggest thing, honestly, with NIL, because I, I know business owners that don't know how to do their own taxes. And so you're talking about, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, young adults that definitely probably don't know, and they may not have the the guidance for it that that even adults have. And so I, I would hope, I, my just personal opinion, I hope that 
maybe there's a general manager, but the biggest thing for me is the tax thing. Cause I, you don't want to get into tax debt. That's always been my biggest concern with NIL. Honestly, um, these players deserve to earn money off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, even high school players, I think deserve to earn money off their name, image, and likeness. I wouldn't be surprised if when the Texas legislature, you know, meets this year, if that is not something that is on the thing, just from what I've talked to with agents, they believe that is happening. That's probably going to be a, a key initiative that they're going to try to work through at the legislature level. But, um, you know, whether it's a general manager, whether it's tax, I mean, I do think that they need to start implementing further help for these individuals and for these athletes to guide them when it comes to how they are getting paid, not just getting paid and coming to a school. I think this is a long-term thing that can follow them for the rest of their lives. And I think that's really should be, I hope uh, it's priority number one. Priority number one. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point that no one really thinks about. And, um, you know, as far as the general manager, we are seeing this position pop up. Um, it's, it's not the director of player personnel uh, it's a general manager um, type of role. And so, um, I mean, some some schools are using their director of player personnel uh, in this role, but you do have to, you have to pay attention to how your UIL funding or UIL, your NIL <laughs> funding is being distributed because uh, I think we've seen if you promise, you know, if you dangle stuff for recruits, it can backfire on you. Um, I think there's a baseline that everybody's trying to say, Hey, you come here, you're going to earn this. We've seen it at schools like Texas tech and SMU. You know, if you come here, you're going to make 45,000 every scholarship football player. Okay. That's, that's a huge commitment and you better have the money to back it up. Um, because you're one bad season away from that NIL funding drying up and you cannot keep going back to your big money boosters. They, they get tired, you know, they, they, they pay for the new stadiums, they pay for the new facilities, and then you want them to pay for the NIL funding. And I know Coaches the Texas buyouts, one fund. Texas knows. <laughs> yeah. And unless Texas plans on overpaying Sarkeesian a million for him to use uh, for, NIL funding. No, I'm kidding. Um, not really. Um, but <laughs> you've got, you gotta be careful. And I know the Texas one fund is trying to get Texas fans to commit to $50 a month, a hundred dollars a month. They're not trying to break the bank. They just want, they want you to like be a Netflix customer and, and just put it on your credit card, 50 bucks a month. And it, it gets charged and, and you get credit for helping to fund Texas's NIL money, which, you know, they're using, um, to, to help all student athletes at Texas, all 500 of them, um, and not just have it be all football, all basketball or all revenue sports. So, um, and Texas has the Texas one fund, which is nonprofit. And then it has the Clark field collective, which is for profit. We don't know what the Clark field collective is paying. Um, they're the ones that tend to write the bigger checks. When you hear about Xavier Worthy sticking around or Jalen Ford sticking around, um, so 
but everything has to go through compliance. Now they don't let us see these contracts because it's personal, uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I'm rambling, yeah. but yeah, that general manager, you're seeing it uh, become more of a thing. Yeah. And I will say to um, our viewers and our listeners here, the uh, just even getting like uh, open records reports actually coming through and, and not sent to, uh, you know, the attorney general basically has been a bit of an issue. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with NIL because that all goes through compliance. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many open records requests I've put in at Texas I've been denied or just passed along saying that it needs to get approval from the attorney general. A lot of them are honestly worth me going through that hassle because we have to actually like, I mean, the the process, the legwork to get little information like that. We'll trust our sources more so than anything. But um, yeah, I, I just to touch on that, I think that the whole, the fact that, we can't see this information is kind of um, alarming, but you know, ramble on there, but all right, next one, Chip for you. Uh, timetable from Hit'em Horns, uh, Hit'em Horns 18, timetable for the football indoor practice facility. Yeah, I think the, the announcement is coming <clears throat> at any time. I've written about this extensively in the Insider um, over the past six months, uh, about the new indoor practice facility, it will be, uh, just South of DKR. They're going to move it from Denius fields over, um, where the, the new, well, excuse me, where the old, very old school of social work is located. Uh, the holdup has been obviously finding, a, a temporary, uh, home for the school of social work, which will eventually move in uh, to the Macomb School of Business building on Speedway when the new Macomb School of Business, which is being built over where the Dobie Theater, Dobie Apartments were. Uh, and that will take, you know, four to five years. But um, the School of Social Work needs to find a temporary home until they can move in, you know, uh, to the Macomb School of Business on Speedway. and. Um, so the indoor practice facility probably won't be ready until sometime in 2025. Um, but it's, it's going to happen. And, and so, um, and Taylor, if you, if you kind of walk the ground over there, it slopes, you know, um, you know, where, where the Moody center is on, uh, on Deadman it kind of angles down to San Jacinto mm -hmm. and that's going to allow Texas to go underground um, so that it's not some massive structure, 60 feet in the air. Um, they're going to go down into the ground and keep it low key. Um, you'll have your two practice fields outside, but the indoor part of it will be uh, you'll be going down into it, which is really a huge expense. Um, they did this for the Moody Center. They had to go 60 feet in the ground and you know, it's all rock in Texas. So um, it's going to be more expensive than they initially thought, but it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be pretty freaking cool. And no, there will be no indoor track um, 
you know, there will be no indoor track for the track team in that facility. So I know yeah. my man, Eddie C had asked about that, but, um, we're going to wait on the indoor track facility. Yeah. There was a, a second part of this question. So I feel like, uh, I kind of, I, I don't want to disregard it or anything, but hit them horns. 18 also asked a bonus for me and also for you, Chip. I know the answer to this. Uh, I'm not sure if you do, but uh, it says bonus for Taylor, regular starting outfield for the 1969 Miracle Mets, left field, center field, and right field. Um, I uh, Do you want me to answer? Or do you want to take a stab at it? I would like to know if you know this actually, Chip. Oh, heck no. I mean, your dad <laughs> played on the 69 Miracle Mets. Hold was on, the only here. rookie along with Nolan Ryan. I mean, this literally came out the other the greatest... day. It's a Sports Illustrated thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> uh, this would be a horrendous, uh, you know, fault on our part uh, to have anyone other than you answer this question. Heck, you were at the 50th anniversary of I the was. Miracle Mets uh, World Series championship. Um, so take it away. All right. So the so he uh this member here uh hit him horns 18 did give a hint. Not going to call you out by saying you're wrong, but if we're talking about the opening like starting day, opening day lineup, your hint is a little off. But it was uh Tommy Agee, the legendary center fielder for the Mets, uh Cleon Jones, who's one of my favorite people in literally the entire world. He was the starting left fielder. And it was actually Rod Gasper, my dad, who was the starting right fielder. However, Ron Swoboda came on in a huge way and made honestly one of the best catches in the history of baseball, literally the best catch in the history of baseball that I've ever seen um, that season. He took over as the starting right fielder. So it started Rod Gasper right field, my dad, and it ended Ron Swoboda right field. Boom. <laughs> there you go. You ever want to know something about the 69 Miracle Mets? You talk to Taylor. Yeah, it's basically ingrained in my brain. So practically the, you, <laughs> you're practically a bat girl on that team. I mean, Seriously. even though you weren't born for <laughs> however many years later. But like 18 years, uh, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a cool, it's, a cool, it's a cool story. It is. He's a lot cooler than I am, guys. I, I hate to break it to you. I wish I could be as cool as my dad, but I'm not. So, uh, you know, but Chip and him have met and they've liked to have conversations about baseball. And Chip likes to talk about it a lot, too. So. Yeah. And speaking of baseball, I mean, I think this is going to be a really I mean, when David Pierce says interesting year for Texas baseball, I don't know what we I mean, they're not in the top 25 you know, the D one baseball top 25, uh, because Texas, I mean, David Pierce overhauled his staff. We know he let go of his long time, um, you know, assistance and brought in new pitching and hitting, uh, coaches and Troy Tulowitzki's really helping USA baseball now more than Texas baseball. So, there's a sense that Texas is like in rebuild mode and they, they are when you lose 
uh, your record number for home runs in a season. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're, it's a mystery. So I don't know what to expect from, from Texas baseball. Honestly, I mean, you need Lucas Gordon and Tanner Witt to be unbelievable on the mound. Um, but then you got to find a third starter. You got to find your middle relief and your closer and, oh yeah, we've got to replace, you know, 50% of our offense. So, uh, more than that, actually. So it's, um, we'll see, we'll see how David Pierce's culture, uh, how strong it is, how, how it's carried over by the returning players. I mean, you do have some studs and, and that's, um, you know, a couple of them I just mentioned, but you may have the best catcher in the country, um, and Silas Arduan. So, uh, you know, we'll see. And you've got a great outfield. It's a veteran outfield. Um, but you, you've got a, there's, you know, there's a lot of position, uh, talent that needs to be replaced. You lost, uh, Faltini at shortstop as well. So, um, it's, it's gonna be fun. See what David Pierce has here. Yeah, it is. And, and, uh, I think that, I kind of like that they're not ranked, if I'm honest. I kind of like that they are going to have to prove themselves. And I feel like David Pierce has done a really exceptional job in making his teams play together and, and prove themselves, honestly. And so I really I really do uh, think it's going to be a fun baseball season to watch. Um, Chip, anything else you want to add or discuss on here? No. Um Make sure you, if you're not a member of Horns 24-7, take advantage of this one-day offer. It, it is the biggest discount, 75% off. Yeah. Um, so jump in. I mean, it's it's almost free uh, for you to get in for a year to be on top of everything, to be an insider uh, mm -hmm. on all things Texas, especially with the move to the SEC coming up and all the – I mean, football season never ends. We're always bird dogging what's going on with winter workouts, summer workouts, fall camp, uh, stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, so, so jump in, take advantage of this today, treat yourself or treat your, um, I don't know what, uh, people would be doing watching this if they weren't diehard fans, <laughs> but, um, I was going to say treat your significant other or treat a friend, but treat someone because 75% off that's that's too good to pass up Taylor um and of course we'll be back midweek on the flagship podcast yes and and when chip says it's the best offer like normally this is only the black friday offer or the cyber monday offer that we do um the 75% off it's normally you so sometimes do 50% off sometimes or sometimes like twice a year, maybe do 60% off. Typically, this is a one time and it's usually around Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday. They're 24-7 decided to do a different type of approach this year. So this is a, like, I, I, I'm like, I'm not lying. Like, this is probably the last time that you're going to be able to have this offer even available until um, November or December. So definitely want to take advantage of that. And we want to thank everybody for listening. I mean, goodness, like, we we've been rambling on for an hour and 20 minutes, Chip. And uh, these uh, these viewers, these listeners have really stuck along. So we always appreciate all of y'all. You guys help us be able to talk sports and uh, 
enjoy doing it too. Yeah, please click subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back midweek. Uh, until then, as Taylor said, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.